You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State Buckeyes podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Mm. It is Wednesday, September 19th. Brandon B, Matt Hayes, 97.1, the fan here with you. Monday through Friday, talking all things Buckeyes, Big Ten, college football. You know where to get it right here. Beam, how are you feeling on a Wednesday? Maddie, that song with the boss back in town. Can't boss back going to be roaming the sidelines this Saturday against the green wave of Tulane. It's a uh, it's a Wednesday. You know, it's a, it's a nice little hump day for us. And uh, usually, you know, like I've said uh, here in the past, is that Wednesdays are my days to get shows watched that you know I've uh, I've recorded on the okay. DVR or Netflix day. Yeah. So Wednesdays are my big day to catch up on everything that I have missed in the past week or so no, because I, you look at Monday, Monday night football is on. Right. Tuesdays and Wednesdays are your best shot. I was going to say yes. t- Tuesday is my day to get caught up on everything. Um, I'm also be kind of having to sprinkle in some baseball now that we're inching closer oh, yeah. and closer to baseball season. But our team is dead. Uh, our team is very dead, and they'll probably be dead next year as well. If you if you don't know who we root for, that is the Cincinnati Reds. Christian Yelich. Um, man. Oh man, he just owns us. He does. He owns us. I mean, two cycles within less than a month. Like it's Crazy. the same team. It's absolutely bananas. But no, I mean, I, I've got a ton of shows stacked up on my DVR right now. Like I'm so far behind on Big Brother. I haven't even watched Power yet. I mean, I've got so many things that I need to get caught up on. And with Big Brother, that's three days a week. So I'm literally I'm literally like 15 to 20 episodes behind right now <laughs> because that's what happens when you get into football season, I right? Know. I mean, we're watching the Buckeyes every Saturday, all day long. You're watching college football. And then Sunday, it never ends with the NFL. And like you mentioned on Monday, it's a, it's a continuation of football. But this is what we love. And this is why we cry all summer long because we miss football that much. Yeah, it's uh, it's here. It's finally, uh, you know, we've worked our way now into the inner workings of the season. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, college football programs and uh, what they're going to be for the rest of the year. We've got a lot of uh, a good looks at teams, whether they're going to be good or bad. Uh, you take a look at like Purdue in the Big Ten. I yeah. thought that they were going to be a good team. I thought Northwestern was going to be a good team. And you and me both. You know, it's just it's uh, crazy. Now here uh, we go into week four of the college football season. We're at the quarter pole point. Uh, of college football. Uh, but yeah, it's great. I love this time of the year, especially too. Uh, I don't know where everyone else is living. Uh, when they're listening to this podcast, you may be in central Ohio, sure. you may be in Fairbanks, Alaska. I don't know. Um, as uh, James Laurinaitis, the Hall of Famer who works, Harassing in, our, us. Who works in our building and uh, does Bishop and Laurinaitis every 10 to noon, uh, Monday through Friday, right here on The Fan. Uh, yeah, he's harassing us a little Man. bit, the Hall of Famer. Every day when we do this podcast, he's in here, he's strolling by, he's walking, giving us obscene gestures, really trying to rattle yeah. us. thought we were boys. Yeah, me too. And maybe we are. Maybe that's the <laughs> that's reason the why he does love, that right. to us. Yeah, but Matty, it's, uh, you know, we're getting to the middle of the football season. Yes. Uh, NFL's just starting it, college football ramped up. This is the start of the, the year where you get into – uh, your last week of non-conference games. Then next week, everyone is going to be in conference except for the SEC for the remainder of the season. Right. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. The weather starts to change. Uh, you really start to get that football weather in there, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. The leaves are already starting to turn a little bit. You can tell. I mean, it is going to be a phenomenal fall. I love it. I love the cool weather. Oh, it's the I, don't, I don't need the freezing cold, but I love cool weather and all that. So Beam hit on a little bit. Northwestern Purdue. We will do a ton of Big Ten uh, stuff in our 
second block today and our third block. We'll get into some national stuff, talk about a little bit about the AP poll and all of that. So let's start with the Buckeyes. Urban did a teleconference mm-hmm. yesterday, and there was a very interesting thing that came out of that, and that is Urban is not going to be necessarily the top dog all the time when it comes to the play calling on the sideline. He did throw out there that Ryan Day will be calling plays from Mm -hmm. the sideline moving forward, which I think is a big thing because last year he was up in the box. So obviously the players on the field, Dwayne Haskins, the most important guy of those guys on the field offensively feels comfortable with having Ryan Day down there. We had it last year with Greg Schiano. He made the change from coming down from the booth to the field and that paid good dividends for Ohio State. So moving forward, Ryan Day will be down there. But the big thing being that came out yesterday was Urban's now going to go into a bit of a CEO mode here. He is not Love going it. to be the guy that has the – well, he'll, always, he'll always have veto power. He yep. will always have that. But he Big is not – reference. You exactly. get the veto chain. No doubt about it. Uh, the power of veto is a very strong thing. That's right. you got to win those veto competitions. But Urban, he is going <laughs> to let these guys beam kind of do their own thing. And I think it's a smart thing to do because we talked about it yesterday. And with the return of Urban, nobody knew exactly what this offense is going to look like. But now that he's throwing it out there, that he's cool with kind of laying back a little bit, I feel so much better about the offense moving forward because I don't think we're going to see a change at all, Beam. And that's really encouraging. I do too. And the biggest thing that we talked about is that Urban coming back, are you going to see more RPO style plays? Uh, that enables Dwayne Haskins to run the ball, what exactly are you going to see? So this tells me from Urban Meyer is that he has nothing but the utmost of faith in his guys and Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson. I'm sure he's watched the film 100 times in the TCU game, maybe just 50 times each in the Oregon State and Rutgers game. But the thing that I love the most about that, what Urban had to say is that you know, I, I'm going to let my guys do their jobs. And I think, with, you know, you as an Ohio State fan, uh, you've you've watched games before where it gets down to a nitty-gritty situation and you go back to the 2013 Big Ten Championship game or the 20, you know, the, yeah, the 2013 Big Ten Championship yeah. game. Go back to that. You knew that Braxton was taking that ball around the corner. Of course he was. You know, and you get stonewalled. You lose the game. You lose the Big Ten Championship to Michigan State uh, when you could have had a seat at, at the uh, BCS national title game. You could have had that. And, you know, it's just you go back and you look at the line of great games that Ohio State has played, games where it comes down to the wire, and Urban's, you know, joker card that he's thrown out there, the the ace up his sleeve has always been the QB run. And I love the fact that he's letting his two coaches on offense really just say, listen, I have play. I have. I have planned a game plan for this specific game. I know exactly their weaknesses on defense, and I'm sure, like I said, Urban has watched the film of these games and said, "Listen, this was a great. Yeah. This was a great game plan that Ryan Day, Kevin Wilson, and all of my coaches um, they put in there." And I think the biggest thing with Ohio State, Maddie, is that you know while Urban is the coach here at Ohio State you know that you are going to have, if not the best, one of the top three best coaching staffs in America. You have absolute 100% pedigree head head coaches on this football team. So an urban allowing and enabling his coaches to work within the confines of the game and not be restricted by him calling vetoes on every single player when a game gets close, I think it's huge for these, just not even the play calling and, you know, the winning that Ohio State does going forward, but the trust and the ability to say, listen, you're the offensive coordinator, you have no chains on, go do your job. Yeah, and, and I love that. And, and I love it too, Beam. And you mentioned that Braxton Miller run against Michigan State down there in Indy. I mean, no one, no Buckeye fan will ever forget that. Sure. And that's been the problem under Urban. And there hasn't been a ton of problems under him, but the predictability on those yes. type of downs has been an issue because if we know it, 
you better be darn sure the opposing team knows it in their defensive coordinator, and they're going to stack the box. And every once in a while, it did work. I would probably say more times than not, more it times did it work. did. It Absolutely, did the guy's one of the best coaches exactly. ever in college football. It's worked more times exactly. Than not. So we can't knock him too much for that. Yeah. It's just when you have unpredictability as an offense. It can open things up so much more. And also, Beam, I think there's a difference between trying to get that third and three, that fourth and one with Braxton Miller than it is with Dwayne Haskins. I mean, Braxton Miller can make you miss in a phone booth. I mean, you remember the infamous spin against Penn State down there at the goal line, the spin against Virginia Tech. I mean, Braxton Miller was a different type of cat. Exactly, right? He was pressing the zero button, the O button on the Xbox Mm -hmm. controller there because he was that good of an athlete. So no, I'm very excited to hear this because of the way Dwayne Haskins, and these receivers are rolling right now I wouldn't change a thing and I love hearing that from Urban here's the clip from the teleconference well I've done that before in the past um, you know I, I help where I need to help and uh, uh, but I, I think a high degree of it is was the performance of the offense and how well they worked together and and obviously with uh, success we've had and I want to compare this a little bit to something going on in the NFL right now because you hear what he's saying right there about the success that they're having, and he's kind of like, I don't want to touch that. Why, why would I come in and mess sure. this thing up? It's kind of what we're looking at down there in Tampa with the Buccaneers yeah, right now. Absolutely. You can't take Ryan Fitzpatrick off no the way. field for Jameis Winston with the not, way they're not rolling. Yet. No way. So there's no way that Urban Meyer should try to come in here and completely change what the offense is doing because they are rolling at a ridiculous clip right now. Where you're talking about averaging over 50-something points a game right there in the top three in the FBS at points per game. I mean, why would you come in and change anything like that when your team's absolutely dominating? There's just no need. So I think this is really encouraging news for Buckeye fans. The fact that we know that Urban can put together a great offensive game plan himself, but now that he's got a different type of quarterback back there with Dwayne Haskins, I mean, my goodness, let this kid sit back there and continue to spin the rock all week long against Tulane, get him ready for Penn Mm -hmm. State, who will be a raucous atmosphere, have all these guys have a ton of confidence this week, and don't touch a thing. So, no, I, I love this from Urban, and I just think it's really going to help the Buckeyes moving forward. I'm going to be so interested to see, um, you know, the kind of the battle within the war this week against Tulane because I really do think, you know, you as soon as that whistle blows, Maddie, you know, it's just when we ranked these games before the year and you looked at your non-conference opponents, uh, you had – Obviously, you had TCU at number one. You had Oregon State at number two, which proved to be a, a decent offense and a Buckeye defense who had a couple of players injured. Then you had Tulane number three. So I think there's going to be a huge battle inside the war this week is that this is going to be a team who is trying. You're going to go back to being vanilla. Yep. You won't see anything crazy. You will see Dwayne litter it all over the field, though. Um, but what kind of wrinkles are you going to throw in uh, are we going to see more tempo from Ohio State sure. to try and work on that in a game environment to get ready to go to Happy Valley? Uh, so what are we going to see this weekend from Ohio State as they play a totally inferior product and team in Tulane as they get ready oh. to head to Penn State? It's just it's going to be interesting to see how much do they hold back? When do the starters leave the game? You want to make sure that nobody gets hurt. Um, so what is that going to look like this weekend? And I think it'll be a pretty fun game. No, it should be a fun game. I was looking this up last night as we inch closer to Tulane. You mentioned that defense and how they're going to be up against it. Uh, 110th in total defense in the country right now. It's just going to be tough. I man. mean, 110th and going it's up tough. against arguably be the strongest offense in college football right now. Them in Alabama, I would think you look at those guys. I mean, Alabama right now, what they're doing, it looks like a Big 12 offense in the SEC. Sure. Tua's got that thing rolling. So, no, Tulane, they're up against it. Uh, we got Before we take a quick break here, I want to let you get, know about our guys from my book. And, you know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my book. You remember who you 
you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They are the best bet this season. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED25 when you're creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. When we take a quick break, we'll be back and talk about the Big Ten. This is Locked on Buckeyes, your team every day. So, Beamer, the Big Ten took a bit of a hit this weekend. What a mess. I mean, when you're talking about I guess we got to start with the big one. And that's Wisconsin and what happened with them. And give BYU credit, right? All the credit in the world. you got to give them credit. Going to Camp Randall and you beat Wisconsin, good for you. You have to give them all the credit in the world because they went in there and they punched them in the mouth. And watching that game, Beam, they were the more physical team. And up front, they just beat down Wisconsin. And what's really been intriguing to me is the lack of push up front for Wisconsin because that's – I can't remember a time where that has happened. Me either. That's what they do. And with Jonathan – yeah, Jonathan Taylor coming back. I mean, he has been a bit of a disappointment so far because of all the hype that we thought that we were hearing coming into the season. Had 100 yards in the game against BYU, but didn't score a touchdown. I mean, that is a problem. And then especially when you talk about putting the ball in Alex Hornibrook's hands, mm-hmm. Beam. I mean, if you do that and force them to throw the ball downfield, trouble. I think Wisconsin's in yeah. a heap of trouble moving forward because – they don't have the guys outside that you're really scared of. And they got one of their receivers back this week, and Danny Davis, he did come back. So there's no more excuses for those guys on the outside. You got one of your better guys back. It's time for them to start making people miss out there and making plays. I just think Wisconsin's in some trouble here, being because you look at the lack of push they're getting up front. Man, if they're not doing that, then Wisconsin, that's not Wisconsin football. When I looked at uh, each team, and we went through and we did our power rankings before the season started, uh, I did. I had I had Wisconsin at number one just because of Jonathan Taylor. I thought Alex Hornibrook was going to be, you know, a fine, competent quarterback. I thought their offensive line was going to be good. And I know that they lost a lot of players on defense, but you know, in the back of your mind, you say, "All right, well, it's Wisconsin, and their defense is usually pretty damn good at uh, holding opponents." You know, you you held BYU to 24 points. You should have won that game. There's no doubt about it. What the offense did, like we said, give all the credit to BYU in the world. Uh, but, yeah, I I actually had Wisconsin at number one and Ohio State at number two with the uncertainty about Urban and seeing how Ryan Day was going to be able to handle, handle this team. But there's no doubt in my mind uh, through three weeks of the college football season that Ohio State is by far and away head and oh. shoulders above the rest of the Big Ten. You want to talk about Wisconsin, a team that I was, like I said, was very high on. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I thought you got laid into that BYU game. Uh, you know, Wisconsin was driving down the field, and they had a chance to tie it up and go into overtime. But listen, you know, you you put your put the game on a college kicker. Those guys aren't pros, and even we saw in the NFL this week that those pro kickers can miss can easily miss kicks <laughs> right, as well. Right. Look at you know the Vikings kicker, uh, and look at the Cleveland Browns and Zane Gonzalez. But uh, it's just it's really worrisome because you thought. The entire offseason, at least I did, I don't want to speak for you, that this was going to be a team whose offensive line was going to absolutely Mall push people death. around. Right. They were going to hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor 30 times a game. Yeah. He was going to get five yards in a cloud of dust because they had all the push in the world that they need. Right. And Alex Hornibrook wasn't going to make mistakes. No. And you know maybe this is a little bit of an overreaction, but I could see now Wisconsin – uh, really having to compete with Iowa for that Big Ten West. I mean, look, and you're talking about the game this week up in Kinnick Stadium at night yeah. with the way that defense is playing for Iowa. I mean, Iowa right now is one of the better run defenses. Only in the allowed entire, eight points per game. I mean, eight points a game beam. I think they're giving up less than three yards a carry yeah. right now for Iowa. So, Kirky boy up that, there. Well, 
Look, we, a lot of people talk about the money that the guy Who makes cares? or whatever. You're two seasons away from being worse than Illinois. Exactly. Right. Without Kirk Exactly. Ferentz. No doubt about it. So they've got, I think, an average quarterback in Stanley mm-hmm. up there. I think there's some potential there that he hasn't tapped into yet. Look, the tight end fan is going to play on Sunday. Sure. He's a monster, no Boss. doubt about it. But this run defense beam, this is going to be something to watch on Saturday. I cannot wait for this game Saturday night because it's strength on strength or what's perceived to be a strength for Wisconsin is their offensive line. has been right now, but it's definitely a strength for Iowa right now going up against Jonathan Taylor. I mean, and just going back to the game, Squally Canada, which is an amazing name. Eleven carries, BYU. Buck eighteen, two tutties. He was the best. Fo- he was the best running back on the field. He was the best running back on the field. My guy. And BYU took it to him. So no, Squally is definitely on the all-name team. So Wisconsin right now, they've got problems, and I feel really good about what Iowa was going to be able to do because look. We know damn well what happened to Ohio State last year against Iowa. At Kinnick. Smacked him in the mouth and then some. So it can get rocking in there. It's going to be tough for Wisconsin to get this thing rolling. I have confidence in Paul Chris. He's a heck of a coach. I think quietly each each year he wins 10 games. But I just don't think right now they're as as advertised coming into this season. So, no, Wisconsin, they'll be up against it. We'll pick this game on Friday, as we always do right here on the Locked on Buckeyes podcast when we pick games. I want to get on Penn State a little bit because mm-hmm. that that's the game kind of on the horizon. That's now. kind of in the uh, in the sight lines. Exactly, that a lot of people know? are getting excited about. And, and, no, I totally understand that. And I don't think you and I are worried at all about this Saturday as far as a trap game goes, especially with Urban back. He's going to run, run this thing up and prove yeah. that he's still that guy. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> right. but next Saturday, this is a monster game. But just foc- focusing on Penn State right now, uh, week one at home, they struggled against App State. They ended up, they should have lost the game, but they won the game. So now we're talking about two weeks in, they took it to Pitt. And now offensively, Beam, this is what we've seen the last couple years from Trace McSorley and company. I like Saunders, the running back. I think he is going to be a solid player for them, no doubt about it. But you look at last week, and I know it's Kent State, but you look at the point totals and what they're getting to, Beam. They're scoring at a really high clip. And with McSorley, man, um, five touchdowns a week ago, I believe. is what I mean, I, I just, I'm impressed by their offense. I didn't think that they would be able to find their way as quickly as they have because of everything they lost, but give credit to James Franklin. And they lost their offensive coordinator, who's down uh, coaching uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs, I believe. Sure, it was going to be a big problem, uh, I thought, this season for Penn State. You know, I know Trace McSorley is a great quarterback, and he's done great things for the Nittany Lions. Uh, but I really did. I thought it was going to be a uh, a, a big problem when you lose uh, Hamilton, and you lose Mike Gusecki, oh, and you lose Saquon right. Barkley. Um, and they all lost of, guys on defense. Sorry right. to catch up, but they lost a lot. Exactly. So this was a team who I thought... You know, yes, they have the name recognition and the brand power, and James Franklin seems to have gotten that thing rolling over there in State College. But the thing that I was most worried about was exactly what I just said. How was their offense going to act? And listen, I know that Pittsburgh is not the greatest team in the world. I know App State is not the greatest team in the world. And so when I watch this team, you know, I think that some of that was first-week jitters. I think some of that was not knowing exactly – what kind of players you had on the field? Because Matt, you can practice all you know no as much as you want, no but when doubt. you get into a real game time situation, you don't know what's going to happen and with those being guys. Real quick, when mm-hmm. you're talking about a team like App State who has all off season to prepare for you, sure. you're going to get their best shot. Yeah, absolutely, you are. And so, you know, when I'm looking at Penn State, I'm thinking, all right, this is going to be a good team, but I don't see this team this year after losing that much going to be able to compete. Uh, with Ohio State, with Wisconsin. I thought it was 1A and 1B when you looked at Ohio State and Wisconsin, but it's become very obvious to me that the 1A and 1B is Ohio State and Penn State. Those are your two teams, and this is going to be an absolute uh, slugfest 
next Saturday. I know that I've spoken about it a ton, but that whiteout, those whiteout conditions, man. It's a it's, those I, it, like so. I was there. Uh, I was working for the Ohio State radio broadcast okay. a couple years yeah, ago yeah. when Bosa pushed uh, you know, running back right into Just the quarterback. The game. See you, go home, I was bye. there. Right. I was working the uh, the big satellite dish on the sidelines, and Maddie. I mean, it was. Un- yeah. It's disorienting. Like just, I'm just I'm on the sideline. I'm not even playing a football game. I have my headphones turned up as loud as I can to listen to the broadcast, right. and I I can barely hear it. You take those headphones off, it is like an eruption of sound. Yes. You get disoriented with all the white in the stands. You can't see anything that's going on, mm-hmm. and it is one of the most wild environments in college football. Yeah. So you know, I know that going down to TCU, I know that going down uh, to play in Jerry World, that was kind of a road game. It was like 70-30 Buckeye fans. So this is going to be the first true test for the Buckeyes. But I have been so impressed outside of that week one game against App State with Penn State because I really have. They've blown my expectations out of the water. No doubt about it. Joe Moorhead was the name I was looking for, former offensive coordinator, now head coach in the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Real quick before we hit a quick break, uh, Beam, just hitting on that team up north because – Look, they've reeled off two wins against Western Michigan SMU. I don't they, know what they, they are. They, I don't know what they are either. And I just watch their games. And you watch Harbaugh. He continues to roll out these double tight end fullback sets. And I don't know if that's going to win you a ton of games in college football. Now, Patterson has looked a little bit better. But the one thing that I'm really confident in is their two running backs. We talk about Higdon and Evans. Mm-hmm. I know those guys can do damage. I, they, I think they're dogs coming out of the backfield. But... As far as that pass-catching options go on the outside, I don't know if they have a game-breaker. And that game-breaker has been dressed in the street clothes for him every week, and that's Tariq Black. I mean, he he got hurt, and without him, I think it's going to be a bit of a challenge. They get Nebraska this week at noon. Um, I think they should be able to handle them because I don't know if Adrian Martinez or not is going to play for Nebraska. He's a solid true freshman quarterback. But even if he does play, going into the big house as a true freshman against this defense with Gary and Winovich up front, it's going to be a problem for him. Shea Patterson had a um... – you know, a really, really, really mediocre game against Notre Dame the first weekend of the year in South Bend. And I think that, you know, what made Michigan very excited to start the season is exactly what you said. They're two dynamic running backs. you got Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I think is a game-breaker, uh, and then you have Tariq Black. But unfortunately for Michigan, Tariq Black got injured. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have two dogs like they do outside, um, it, it becomes so much easier for a defense to now plan – around Donovan Peoples-Jones, whereas if you have Tariq Black opposite of him, then you have a two-headed monster on the outside, oh, which is which is very, very scary to think about. Uh, obviously, it was something that they weren't planning for, and I think that their offense took a big hit without him on the field. But, you know, looking at uh, looking at Michigan, I just I, – I don't know. I, I don't know what they are. SMU got beat by TCU as well. Um, so that's a common opponent right there that you could look at. Yeah. Um, but when I, I – I just – Going back to that Notre Dame game and now watching Notre Dame play, who almost got beat by Vandy this weekend, it just, I don't, it it fluctuates so much because one weekend, you know, Notre Dame looked fantastic. Brandon Wimbush is running all over the place. He's littering balls all over the field uh, first weekend of the season. But now Notre Dame looks so stagnant. So my question is then, well, is Michigan's defense not that good? Is Michigan's offense not that good? Was Notre Dame just playing a hell of a game? What was going on? And I just, I don't know. And I haven't seen enough film. I haven't seen enough of the season go by to really say what Michigan is. And that's fair. And especially when you talk about the opponents that they've played post-Notre Dame with uh, Western Michigan and SMU. No, I think that's definitely a fair take. And I've always had my questions about Harbaugh and how he calls offensive games because it does not look good. It's not the NFL. No, it's not the NFL. And even I don't think you can call games like that in the NFL anymore. You can just line up and run it down people's throats and throw to 
the fullback and tight end. You got to have explosive plays, get guys in space, and make things happen. We're going to take a quick break here, but before we do that, Bean's going to hit you with a message from our people from FanDuel. Yeah, you know FanDuel, Maddie is uh, fantastic. I told you about my buddy who played in a uh, he played in a one week game last last weekend. He actually won over seven hundred and fifty dollars in cash, which was very very cool for him. Uh, I play FanDuel, and so should you. FanDuel is introducing a bunch of new game styles this year. They have uh, a few that I'm going to mention here is Gridiron Pick'em. Users will choose winning teams for all of Sunday's game with no spreads. $10,000 will be split amongst the top picks every week, unlike Survivor. The pricing here is not season-long, so no users so users should feel free to jump in at any time. And players who I'm looking at this week for FanDuel, Maddie, that would have to be one Jordan Howard oh. against an abysmal Arizona Cardinals rush yeah. defense. I yep. think Matt Nagy will want to work on getting the run game installed there against Arizona. I think okay. you're going to see a very, very heavy run offense for Chicago. Yeah. Tariq Cohen with a little bit of an ankle yeah. issue. Yeah. I think Jordan Howard is in. going to be a bell cow back this week. So that's a, like I said, people from FanDuel, make sure you get on that. So Jordan Howard would be my FanDuel pick of the week. And uh, like we said, go check our guys at FanDuel out. You are Locked On Buckeyes, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. All right, Bean, let's hit on some of these national teams before we get out of here for today. Let's start with the big guys up top. Um, look, Alabama right now yep, has been out of ball. their mind. Look, I got a couple nuggets for you because I know you love chicken nuggets. Mm, um, I love them. Alabama right now, Bean, is outscoring opponents 170 to 28 this season. That's pretty good. I mean, what is going on down there? This is something that we've never seen from an Alabama Nick Saban led all. I mean, come on. This is a Big 12 type offense with the rolling out there right now. And they're young guys. When you look at their receivers, sophomores, freshmen, I mean, two is a young guy. This is something that I think a lot of people should take note of because usually when we talk Alabama football, we're talking about the Derrick Henry, the Mark Ingrams of the world sure. that just come down that A-B gap. Absolutely. That we're just bigger and stronger than you. We're going to maul you to death. It, yeah. And every once in a while, we'll throw a deep bomb to Calvin Ridley, the guys on the outside. But right now, what they're doing is scary for college football because now defensively, they're still really good, but offensively, they have the ability to light you up. So now you're talking about that combination of what Ohio State has going on, a really strong running game, but your safeties and your DBs better back off because if you don't, two is throwing that thing over the house, uh, over your head, and it's going to the house. It's uh, you know, it's it's unbelievable watching Alabama, and every single year they come in as the favorite to win the national title, as they should, because they're just they're this unstoppable force with Nick Saban. And that's what I think makes that 2014 national championship run so special for Ohio State fans is beating Saban down in their neck of the woods, down in New Orleans. But, yeah, you watch Alabama this year. You know, Ole Miss takes the first play of the game and runs it for a touchdown, and then they just get boat raced the whole entire game afterwards. Uh, that game was over in the middle of the second quarter. It was 28-7 to at the end of the first, and uh, it was just – it was a bludgeoning. And, you know, it, it makes them so scary because – Alabama's offense was never their strong point. Right. It was always the defense, and they were always going to be grinded out games with Alabama and uh, where they were going to ultimately win in the end, yeah. but they never had that electric exactly. offense. Right. Now they do, yeah. and now they're rightfully Scary. still back at number one. They're the best team in college football up to this point. Yep. Ohio State has been very good. Georgia has been very good. Yes. Clemson has been okay, okay. up to their standards. Right. Right. These are your top four guys. Yes. These are your top four teams, but... Alabama, by far, to me, Man. has been the best team in college football so they're, far. They're scary. They're scary good, and it's only going to continue uh, as they you know, mesh together throughout the season. Now, I think now what we should transition to 
is the former Buckeye Joe Burrow. Because right mm-hmm. now, what he just pulled off Amazing. at Auburn was huge, right? Now, I understand he's you know only completing less than 40% of his passes, but he's not turning the ball over. And you watch that game against Auburn, Beam. I mean, how many crucial third and fourth down plays oh, throws the did whole, he make? The whole fourth quarter was the Joe Burrow show. Unbelievable yeah. the guts that he showed in that game at Auburn, who we talked about on Friday. Their defensive line is nasty, and you, you saw it in that game. I mean, they were absolutely getting after people. But, man, I mean, what Joe Burrow's been able to do right now has really put LSU over the top. And I think that he needs to get a little bit more love. I would love to see him obviously get that completion percentage up. But, mm-hmm. man, you can tell – that since he stepped on foot to that campus and now through three games, he's got his team sitting at this, what, the sixth best team in the country sure. right now? I mean, you got to give him a ton of credit, but also I think you got to give Coach O a ton of credit because what he's been able to do stepping in there, he's really got this team on track. So LSU moving forward, there's something to keep your eye on because when you look at their next three games here, Beam, you got Louisiana Tech, okay. Ole Miss, okay. both those at home, and then at Florida. Now, all right, here's where, here is when we'll find out who LSU really is. So following that Florida game, home against Georgia, home against Mississippi State, home against Alabama. Now the key thing to me in all of that is it's at the crib, right? If you're going to face those three teams three weeks in a row, you want those games at home, but that's when we'll find out who LSU really is is that three-week stretch post-Florida. I think first three weeks of the season, uh, if you are wearing you know, the yellow and gold um, or the yellow, purple and gold, if you're wearing the purple and gold of LSU and you're an LSU Tiger fan, then you have to be thrilled that Joe Burrow is your quarterback. Now, listen, you could say uh, from an Ohio State perspective, yeah, this is why he didn't win the job at Ohio State because it looks like Dwayne Haskins, you know, every single play, you know, there can be an electric play with Joe Burrow. Maybe there's not that factor, sure. but listen, Joe Burrow is 3-0 and down in the bayou and just took down Auburn. Two top 10 teams. At Jordan-Hare. Right. That is absolutely unbelievable. Right. Took down Miami, ethered them all over the See field. Ya. Uh, and then just took down Auburn, which is one of the nastiest defensive lines in college football. No doubt. And uh, I think you know that you know Joe is a winner, and he walked into that program. He said, hold my beer and watch me go to work. Yeah. And he's the starting quarterback for LSU. And uh, maybe his stats aren't going to pop off the page to you, uh, but what you saw in the late fourth quarter from Joe Burrow is absolute winning mentality. We're going to come in here and we're going to get things done. A couple of passes that he threw, he ran on a fourth and three. He, he got the eight. first down. He threw it across the middle on Guts. a fourth and six. Guts. Third and ten, he threw it out to the sideline. Yes. Receiver made an unbelievable play. It was literally the only place where Joe could throw the ball to. Uh, so congratulations to him on going 3-0. and I know it's not where they want to stop. These next chunk of three games, I'm sure they'd like to be 6-0. and Of course. Heading into the second half of their season. The season uh, with really the most teeth for them. But you can't say anything but good things about Joe Burrow because this was a team uh, with Ed Orgeron who was on the hot seat. Yeah. And them saying, well, I don't know exactly what they're going to be. Uh, Ed's on the hot seat. This is a program he inherited from Les Miles. Maybe he wasn't going to be the guy, but... As of this point right now, congratulations to Joe Burrow and the LSU Football Tigers because they put on a hell of a show the past three games. No doubt about it. Look, that's it for today. Before we get out of here, Beam, let the people know where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, they can find me at BrandonBeam971. I tweet a lot about soccer. I tweet a lot about golf. And on Buckeye Saturdays, I will tweet a lot about the Buckeyes. On NFL Sundays, I tweet about the Bears. This is what you get when you follow me. There's a disclaimer to every single one of you. I also tweet stupid stuff. So there you go. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at BrandonBeam971. Yes, go follow my guy there. Follow me on Twitter at MattyIce971. I just kind of tweet, you know, or I try to tweet funny gifs. And, you know, once we get into NBA season, I'll start tweeting on more stuff about that. But no, Buckeye stuff, NFL stuff. 
You know where to find us there. We do post daily the Locked On Buckeyes episode that we do every day there. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more about the national games, Big Ten stuff, as we inch closer to another Saturday in college football. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast.